Good morning, my name is Pastor Kevin. If I haven't had the chance to um, greet you this morning, I hope I get the chance to uh, before we're done sometime today. <clears throat> so we all have that friend, right? We all have that friend, and, and with the first time it happens, we kind of think it's an anomaly. We think, well, this is just by chance that this happened. But we all have that friend. So that friend called me uh, a couple years ago, and he said, hey, hey, Kevin, there's this new restaurant. I want to take you to this new restaurant for lunch. And I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm always good for lunch. I mean, I, I like to eat. You know what I'm talking about. And so I'm like, yeah, let, let, let's go. Let's go. And so we go, we go out to this restaurant, and, and it's, it's a nice, I mean, it's not a fancy restaurant, but it was a nice restaurant. Uh, a barbecue place, and, and so we sit down, and he orders something, and I'm like, that sounds good. I'll order one of those two, and, and we're just having a good time. We're eating, and then the waiter comes out and brings out the damage, right? Brings out the bill, okay? And puts the bill, like, on the table, like, equally, equal distance from both of us. It's just sitting there, and I'm kind of, you know, waiting, and, and it, was, it, was, it was the most bizarre thing, because that check just sat there. Like, it didn't move. It just sat there waiting. And I'm kind of getting uncomfortable. Like, what am I supposed to do? So I thought, well, I'll just do the courteous thing. And I said, hey, you know, why don't you let me? Before I can finish the sentence, he's like, oh, really? You would do that? That's so nice of you. Thank you so much, you know? We all have that friend. Some of you are that friend, right? We all have that friend where, where at times we feel like we are forced into generosity. Like we're in a situation where we're just forced into generosity. This might be at the gas station. Somebody comes up and says, hey, you know, can you spare a few bucks? We need to get from here to there. Or this might be some, uh, you know, someone you know, they come and they've got a sob story about some sort of circumstance and they make you feel overwhelmed with their circumstance. So they want you to, to give to them. Or there's this one that gets me every time. And, uh, you know, the kids will come up to you, whether they're from your neighborhood or whether it's the kids that post up outside of Albertsons with all sorts of stuff. And they're like, hey, hey, if you buy something from this overpriced magazine that has just a bunch of junk in it, if you buy something from this magazine, then my Little League baseball team will be able to get new jerseys or my my school will be able to get uh, a computer or something. And so, I mean, whoever came up with this idea... He's got to be filthy rich because these little kids come up and like, would you buy something? And you, here you go. You drop 40 bucks on something you probably won't use more than twice because that's just what you do. Forced generosity. And then we start looking at the church. And unfortunately, there are some churches uh, that have left the impression that the church only cares about your money. And so people think the church, well, they just press in on your guilt. They press in on your guilt so that way you will give more money to the church. And they think God is only concerned uh, with your money and just wants you to give and to give and to give. <clears throat> Makes me think of the story of Tom Sawyer. Think of the story of Tom Sawyer. Tom Sawyer, he's got a fence, he's got a paint. So he's given all the tools and he's out there and he's mad and upset about having to paint the fence. And so he's painting it. And some kids come up and they start, you know, kind of poking fun at him. Ha ha, you got to paint the fence. And Tom Sawyer, you know, he's a little opportunistic. He's a little bit of entre entrepreneur. So he starts selling this like, man, this, this is amazing. This painting the fence is the best thing ever. And the kids are like, what? He's like, yeah, yeah, there's nothing better than this fence. I'm having so much fun. This is the best time of my life. And, and, and soon the kids are like, hey, 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 could we, could, could, could we paint the fence? And Tom's like, nope, no, you don't, you don't want to paint the fence. 
I just, I love this too much. I don't want to give any of this away because it's so great. And Tom Sawyer, through his tricks, he gets these kids to paint the fence for him through canivory. canivory. Let me tell you, our God is not like Tom Sawyer, okay? Our God is not like Tom Sawyer. Our God is a giver. And let me tell you, this is what sets our God apart from every other God of every other religion. Our God in the Bible is a giver. This is the way it works. See, all other gods, if you want God to love you, you've got to do something. So maybe you've got to give so much money for God to love you. Maybe you've got to take a pilgrimage to a sacred place for God to love you. Maybe you've got to go to purgatory to pay for some of your sins in order for God to love you. But in other religions, you have to do something because their God is a taker. But listen, our God is a giver. We think about this. We think about how sinful and how broken we are. And God loved us enough that he gave his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus looked at us. Jesus lived this perfect sinless life. And Jesus said, I'm going to give you my sinless life. Jesus said, here's what I'm going to do. You deserve to pay a penalty for your sin. And Jesus said, I'm going to give you my life. I'm going to give my life for every one of you. To pay that penalty of sin so you don't have to pay it. Jesus says, I'm I'm going to give you a future resurrection. I'm going to give you the opportunity to spend eternity with God in heaven. This is something he's given to us. He's given us the, the, the gift of the Holy Spirit that empowers us to live a new life. And to have our hearts changed from the inside out. Our God is a giver. In fact, we think about Jesus. We think about Jesus on the earth. He didn't have much in in terms of worldly wealth, but he was still a giver. How many times do we read in scripture of Jesus feeding thousands of people at a time, 15 to 20,000 people at one point? Jesus was a giver and he is still a giver. He is still giving to us uh, skills and talents and ability. And he has even given us resources and, and dollars. And so when we start talking about giving and and generosity, I want to be clear, we're not talking about God uh, uh, forcing us into generosity, forcing us to give so we can appease him and try and earn his salvation or earn his love for us. When we talk about generosity, we're talking about generosity because God has been generous to us, because he has given to us. And so we're supposed to look to him. We're supposed to learn from him. We want to learn about his heart. We want to embody the his same heart that he has. We want to put that into our own minds and our own hearts. So this morning, we're have a, we have a passage on giving. And I want you to be clear that my prayer all week long is that, is that you and I would learn from the heart of God. That we would learn from God's heart about generosity. That we would love as he loved. That we would give as he gave. So if you have a Bible, I'm going to invite you to turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. We're going to look at God's perspective on generosity. Uh, This is a message that we've titled, titled, The Joy of Generosity. And we'll conclude our Philippians series today. Listen, if you're a guest here with, with us today, though, let me tell you, this is not a message that's given every Sunday. We're not a church that's only concerned about dollars 
And in fact, if you're a visitor with us today, uh, we say this every week. We don't, we don't want to pressure, pressure you. We don't expect you to give financially to our church. We want you to come and get a feel for who we are and observe and, 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 and understand what we're about. Well, let me tell you something about Restoration Church. We are Bible people. We are Bible people. And so as we have studied Philippians, it would be a disservice for us. It would be a complete disservice for us not to look at what God has to say about giving and generosity because it's right here. And if we did not, uh, if we did not look at what God has to say right here, we would be leaving more, uh, more questions than answers. We would be allowing the, the culture and the world around us to influence our, our, our generosity and our money more so than allowing Jesus to influence our generosity and our money. So, I want to be clear with what my, what my goal is today. Listen, we're going to talk about giving and generosity. We're going to talk about money, but it's not about the money. It's not about the gift. It's not about the offering plate. It's not about, about what you put in and what you don't put in. It's not about the gift. Today, the, 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 the point is that your generosity and my generosity or our lack of generosity reveals what's in your heart. Your generosity or your lack of generosity reveals what is truly uh, holding the reins inside of your heart. So with that, I'm going to ask you to join me in prayer for our time together this morning. God, I just want to thank you for uh, this opportunity to uh, open up your word. God, I'm glad that we're not here to listen to a pastor give us his opinions. But God, we want to hear what you have to say to us. That you would speak to us. God, thank you that you are a God who, who speaks to us. Thank you for the grace you've extended to every one of us. God, I pray that you would help us to lean in now, God. That we would understand what you are trying to communicate through your word. God, I pray uh, for those of us that, thus, that have come in. God, I pray you know exactly why we're here. You know exactly what it is you want us to hear. So, God, I pray that we would put the distractions aside. That we would lean in. That we would focus. And that, God, you would speak as you plan to today. God, we love you and praise you and we ask this in your name. Amen. So before we jump in, we got to remember a little bit of context of where we are. Uh, Paul wrote this letter to the Philippians a long time ago. If you remember the context, Paul was in prison in Rome. He was facing a, a potential death sentence. And the Philippians, a church in Philippi, they had heard that Paul was in prison and they became concerned for Paul. And so they took an offering, they gathered some some money, some resources, a large offering. And they said, we're going to send this to Paul. They sent a guy by the name of Epaphroditus to bring this gift to Paul. And he brings it to Paul. And this letter to the Philippians is Paul's uh, response, is him responding to that gift. And if you remember what we've uh, touched on in this in this. Uh, series, uh, Paul has, has spoken to them about a number of different uh, themes. He's, he's talked to them about the theme of humility, about how we are to uh, consider others more significant than ourselves. We're supposed to look out to other people's interests before our own. Paul's talked about having an eternal perspective, about how this world is so short, and so many of us are living for this little red part of this world, but eternity goes on forever. And we're supposed, to, we're supposed to invest our lives into eternity because that goes on much longer than anything this life would have to offer. Paul also, he dealt with some disunity within the church and some anxiety and gave them some practical help to deal with those sorts of things. And we came into this, this 
last portion of chapter 4. And, and this is really Paul's uh, opportunity to thank the Philippians for their gift. He wants to thank them for their generosity towards him. If you remember last week, Paul, as he started out this theme of generosity, he said, I want to I thank you for your generosity. He said, but, but, I, but more so, I don't want to thank you just for the gift because it's not really about the gift. For Paul, he thanked them for the renewing of their relationship. He thanked them that they are still partners in the gospel with him. He said, thank you so much that you have renewed your concern for me, that we can walk together in friendship and in love. And Paul, if you remember, Paul said, I've learned the secret of being in hunger and being in plenty, of being, uh, having abundance and having need. He said, he said, I've learned the secret. The secret is I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And now Paul's going to jump back into this idea of thankfulness to the Philippians. And here's what he says, starting in verse 14. Philippians chapter 4, verse 14. He says, Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except for you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Again, I want to remind you, it's not about the gift. It's not about the money. I mean, Paul's thanking them for the long support that they've given, but it's not about the gift. It's about what the heart, what what the generosity reveals in their heart. And here, this shows us that the Philippians, their generosity revealed that they had a, a, a deep commitment to the mission of God. Reveals they had a deep, commission, a deep commitment to the uh, mission of God. Because if anybody embodied the mission of God, it was Paul. I mean, we think about, we think about the mission that God gave to the church. He said, he said, I want you to go into all the world uh, making disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I command you. At Restoration Church, we've summarized that mission as to know Christ and to make Christ known. And listen, if anybody embodied that message, it was Paul. I mean, Paul was a missionary, and he went on these missionary journeys where he would go into a region, and he would preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. He would preach the good news about Jesus dying on the cross for people. And people would respond and say, man, I want to I surrender my life to Jesus. I want to give my life to Jesus, give him the control of my life. And he would then organize them into a church. And so he was a church planner. He would go and he'd plant a church, preach the gospel, plant the church, and then go to the next region and preach the gospel again and plant another church. And this is what Paul did. And the Philippians are saying, man, we look at what Paul did in Philippi. Paul came and he preached the gospel. Remember, Lydia responded first. She was, the, uh, she was a merchant. She owned the TJ Maxx or whatever it may be. And, and so she, she was the first convert. And then Paul uh, was, had the opportunity to meet the demon-possessed little girl. And he cast the demon out. And, and she became a Christian. And, and then, of course, Paul got arrested and got put into jail. And there was an earthquake. And, 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 and the walls came tumbling down. And the jailer, the jailer said, what am I going to do? Because everybody's going to escape. And Paul said, don't worry, we're here. And the jailer said, Paul, what must I do to be saved? And the jailer and his whole family became Christians that night. And so all these people, they they hear about the good news about Jesus. And they respond and say, man, I want Jesus in my life. And their life is completely transformed. Remember, Paul organized this small group into the church at Philippi. And they became the church plant in Philippi. They became the Philippians. And so they're looking and saying, man, Paul, 
Man, you, you were faithful to preach the gospel to us. And our lives have never been the same. Our lives have been changed so much for the better because of what Jesus has done for us. Because you came and shared that message with us that Paul... This is, this, we want to support you to continue to do this, Paul. We want to, we want to see more lives be changed. We want to see more churches be planted so that way others, other people's lives are changed just like ours were. So the Philippians, throughout Paul's missionary journeys, they were faithful in providing gifts of resources and money so Paul could continue to do the work of the ministry. Paul says there was other churches, though, that didn't join in the support. Other churches that hadn't quite bought into this mission, hadn't bought into this idea. They didn't have that same commitment. But the Philippians, they, they, they bought into it. And they said, we want to make a difference. And we're going to support Paul's ministry so that way Paul could continue to preach the gospel and plant churches and more lives would be changed by the gospel. Something we need to understand about the Philippian church Man, they were a church that overflowed with generosity. They were very gracious with the gifts that they gave to Paul. But listen, they were not a wealthy church. They were not a wealthy church at all. In fact, in one of Paul's other letters, uh, 2 Corinthians, Paul is writing to the the church at Corinth, and he's trying to encourage them to give to some needs that are in the church. And and, and this is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. He says, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of, of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. This would have been the church at Philippi. He says, For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. He says, For they gave according to their means. And then Paul stops and says, No, they didn't just give according to their means, according to what they could afford. He says, They gave beyond their means of their own accord and check this even even in verse four he says they begged us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints and this is not what we expected but they gave themselves first to the lord and then by the will of god to us it's interesting seeing that and, and there's this, some sort of correlation between this abundance of joy and this, and this extreme poverty that results in this overflowing generosity. The Philippians were a poor church. But because they, they had been touched by the, by, by the gospel, because their hearts had been made new, because they understood that, that the gospel was, was us in brokenness and us in sinfulness. And the gospel says God loves us regardless and, and God gives us the opportunity, even though we're sinful, even though we're broken, that we can become sons and daughters of God. And their hearts were transformed because of this good news. And their heart changes. They say, you know what, even though we don't have much, we are so committed to what the gospel does that we will support it at any cost to see the gospel continued to be advanced throughout the world. Just a little side note here. Now, the Philippian church was a poor church, but they gave more than, than other churches. Uh, other churches would even enter in, into it. It's an interesting statistic that, statistically speaking, people with less income give more percentage to the, to, to the gospel ministry, to the church. Now, this doesn't mean that if you've been blessed and you are, are, God has, has blessed you, man, don't have shame in that. But change that statistic. Don't be a part of that statistic. Allow God to do something different and new through you. 
So listen, when we talk about the mission of God, we'd be do a, we, we do a disservice if we didn't talk about the local church, about the church. Because do you and I, do you understand the importance of the local church? The local church is essential to the mission of God. Listen, the local church is God's plan A to take the message of the cross throughout the entire world. And listen, there is no plan B. There is no plan B. God set us right here, the local church. We are the hope of the world. We're going to take this message of the gospel. We are Paul. This is what we're supposed to do. We have been given this, this precious gift of the gospel. And Paul says, you now, us, the local church, are to take this throughout the entire world to make disciples of all nations. The church is the primary as well as the sole means of taking the gospel throughout the world. The primary way that the kingdom moves forward. This is you and me right here at Restoration Church, but not just you and I. This is other local churches throughout the entire world. And I want to just be clear, man. Man, we love parachurch ministry. And there's all sorts of great parachurch ministries here in Yakima. Uh, uh, Union Gospel Mission, Life Choices. I mean, I, I worked for seven and a half years at a parachurch ministry at Madison House. We love parachurch ministries as they are, are, are attempting to, to serve the world uh, and come alongside and support the local church. But listen, listen, a parachurch ministry, they are to be an extension of what God is doing through the local church. They're to be an extension of what God is doing through the local church. Paul embodies God's purpose. Make disciples. Grow healthy churches. This is the center of, of, of God's mission throughout the world. So when you support the local church, what you're actually doing is you are supporting the mission of God. That that mission to make disciples of all nations would continue to spread. That God's message, God, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ would continue to get spread so more people would hear about the gospel, more people would respond, more people would become Christians, more people's lives would be changed. So let me just help this be personal. What, is your generosity, what does your generosity reveal about your heart? What is it that you value? When we think about the things that we value, when we, when we value certain things, we're going to spend money in that way. So if you value entertainment, for example, you're going to buy Netflix and you're going to go to concerts and you're going to do things like that. If you value sports, you're going to go and, and, and you're going to buy a jersey and you're going to go. With, you know, last night we had the chance to take our boys, this whole row of boys right here to a Sounders game. We value sports, so we're going to go and, and spend our resources there. If you value transportation, you're probably going to spend and, and, and buy a decent car to, to ride in. But listen, do you value the mission of God? Do you value the mission of God? Does your generosity show that you value the mission of God? Because let me tell you, the easiest way for you to value that is to invest in the local church, which is the vehicle to take the mission throughout the entire world. To take the gospel throughout the entire world. Look back at our text in verse 17. Paul says, not that I seek the gift. Paul's saying, hey, hey, I'm not asking for more money. I'm not going to complain that I don't have enough. Paul says, no, uh, it's not about the gift. It's about what the gift represents. 
So he says, it's not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. It's not about the gift. Your generosity or your lack of generosity, it reveals what's in your heart. It reveals spiritual growth. It reveals a, a spiritual credit. Paul is saying to these Philippians, your generosity resulted in fruit. It resulted in profit. It resulted in an increase to your account. Now you're saying, no, I know how it works. When I give, that's like a debit from my account. That goes in the negative. And Paul's saying, we're talking about a different kind of account. Because when you give, there is a profit to your spiritual account. When there's a physical debit from your account, there is a profit to your spiritual account. You accrue divine interest. This is the same thing that Jesus taught. Jesus taught the same idea. He, he, he told, he told uh, when you give, you are laying up treasures in heaven. Listen, this has nothing to do with salvation. This isn't us trying to say, hey, I want, I want God's grace, so I'm going to give money so that God would give me grace. We're not talking about buying grace. When you are generous with your resources to the mission of God, you are proving the reality of grace within your heart. It has to do with recognizing that, that, that spiritual reward in eternity is worth infinitely, infinitely more than, than physical reward on this earth. Let me say that again. When we invest into the, the, the mission of God, when we are generous with our resources, those, those spiritual rewards are worth infinitely more than any physical reward that this earth would have to offer. Again, that generosity reveals what's in your heart. So what is your generosity showing? Is it showing that you are experiencing spiritual growth? Is it showing that you have a spiritual credit? Or is it showing that you're investing in this world only? Philippian church, Philippian church though, not only were they generous, I want you to notice their, their abundance of generosity. Verse 18 Paul says, Paul says, I have received full payment and more. He says, I am well supplied, having received uh, from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent. See, the Philippians, they didn't just send what Paul needed. They didn't just say, hey, Paul, what, what are your basic needs? And we'll just provide that. They gave above and beyond. This was like icing on the cake. The picture of, of the Philippians is, is this open hand. And, and when enough was taken out to provide the need, the hand was still open. They, they, they ran past the finish line. They said, it's still here. It's still available for you. This is kind of like when you get invited to dinner. And you're like, I don't know if I'm supposed to bring an entree, if I'm supposed to bring a dessert. So I'll just bring both. I mean, this is kind of what the Philippians did. They ran past the finish line. They gave above and beyond. And Paul's saying, Paul's saying that this kind of generosity, this overflowing generosity, this, this abundance, is something that should be applauded. Because this shows that when the gospel takes root, that, that, that the gospel doesn't just save you. It actually changes you. It changes your heart. And when the, when the gospel takes root in our heart, it, it, it opens our hands. Where we aren't trying to control our resources, we're trying to invest them for a spiritual return. Again, it's not about the gift. Our generosity reveals our heart. 
Look at the end of verse 18. Paul said, I've received full payment and more, and I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gift, you, the gift that you sent. And listen to this language. Paul says, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Anybody familiar with Old Testament language? What kind of language is this? It's a language of worship. It's a language of worship. And, and Paul's saying, when you, when you give, this is worship. When you are generous with your resources, this is worship. That is a, f- a fragrant offering. This is something that is beautiful. This is something that is pleasing. This is something that is acceptable to God. It's worship. Giving is, is a form of worship. Now, in the Old Testament, when they would come to the point of, of, of worshiping God, of making a sacrifice from God, they would have to go and they would have to purchase uh, a bull. They'd have to purchase uh, a goat. They'd have to purchase a pigeon. And it would, it would cost something from them. They would, have to, uh, they would feel that weight of having to, to buy this animal. And Paul is, is, is applauding this. He's saying when, when, when you feel your worship, that's a good thing. In fact, a couple of years ago, we had some friends, and uh, they were moving out of the region, so they sold their house. And uh, we love this couple. And uh, I remember this couple wrote Sam and I a card, and they just wrote some really uh, wonderful things in it. And, uh, and in that envelope was a check. That was a, probably the biggest check we've ever received. It was a big check. We weren't expecting it at all. And the weird thing is, is, you know, we didn't have any pressing needs. It's not like, it's not like uh, we had medical bills or we had this excessive debt or it's not like we had cars that were breaking down. This couple was just so generous. And I remember saying, we can't, we can't accept this, man. There's no, you know, uh, we can't accept this. And he said, no, no. He said, you'll accept it because we'll figure out some sort of way for you to accept it. And I'm like, all right, if you're going to bend my arm, I guess, you know, thank you for the generosity. But I remember asking him, hey, hey, why would you do this? I mean, why, why would you do this? And, and this is what he said. He said, I want to feel what it's like to be generous. I want to know what it costs to actually love. Not that he was trying to buy our love. But he said, I want to feel the sacrifice of loving somebody else. This is what Paul's getting at. That when, when you worship God, it costs us something. And Paul's saying in the Old Testament, they felt that, that, that worship. They felt that sacrifice because they were spending to make that to happen. You felt the weight of that generosity. And this is a beautiful thing before God. This is something that is acceptable to God, that is pleasing to God. Listen, there's two types of people. There's two types of people in this world. There are people who will worship money and use people. And there's people who will worship God and use money. What does your generosity show? Are you worshiping money? Or are you worshiping God and using money? Now, I know we're here in church. And the pastor is talking about money. And some, some, some people might think, Man, this is, of course, this is what's going to happen. This is all that church is concerned about. And unfortunately, there are some churches that have chosen to worship money and to use people. But let me be clear. It's not about your money. It's not about the gift. It's about your spiritual commitment. 
your spiritual investment, your spiritual sacrifice. See, money captures our heart like nothing else. It captures our heart more so than than any other uh, uh, thing that would tempt us. But listen, there's something really cool that God promises to us when we are generous. It says in verse 19, Paul says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Paul says, My God will supply every need of yours according to to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. There's a reciprocation that happens when we are generous with our resources. When you give sacrificially, when we are generous, God's word promises that he will meet our needs. Now, when we read this, uh, the text implies we're going to be talking about material needs because we've been talking about the Philippians providing some material needs for Paul. And so we think, well, if we give, then God will provide our material needs. And, and that's true. That's, that's part of it. But this text doesn't specify just material needs. It kind of has this idea that any need that you have, God will provide. So we think about, we think about uh, you know, uh, those in, in, in poverty. God will supply all of your needs. We think about those who are, are struggling with, with opposition, who are going through a difficult season of, of suffering. Listen, God will provide all the encouragement and the joy and the steadfastness you need. Think about the need for unity. Man, God will provide uh, humility by the Holy Spirit. Think about having uh, division and grumbling. Man, God will provide the peace that you need. This is where we look back and remember what Paul said. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And now Paul is saying, and God will provide every need that we have for any situation. He'll provide what we need to make it through. The point being that God will meet whatever needs we have as we seek him. Now, let me, let me, let, let me clarify. Let's not misuse this. We're talking about needs, not greeds. There's a huge difference between needs and greeds, Right? And this is where all the parents start elbowing their kids. Difference between needs and greeds, right? Remind us of where Paul is. Paul's writing this letter from prison. Facing a potential death sentence. We know Paul eventually is going to to be beheaded for his faith. And if you want to, you're welcome to read 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And you can hear about Paul's sufferings for Jesus after he became a Christian, about how Paul suffered hunger and thirst and homelessness. And the point being, God supplies all of your needs according to his riches and his glory in Christ Jesus, according to the purposes that Jesus has for you. So let's not take this out of context and and have this idea that if I just give 10%, God will give me a hundredfold in return. It's not this idea that if I just give, you know, 15%, then God will bless me and I'll be rolling in a shiny beamer and, 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 and sitting up nice and purdy. That's not what we're talking about here. This isn't a prosperity gospel thing. But Paul is saying that when we are generous, when we are seeking God wholeheartedly, when we are generous with what God has given us, that God will reciprocate and provide every one of our needs. Now, I hear that and I think, man, that sounds tough. That's, that's hard. That's tough. There's a verse in Malachi that, that I think is related to Philippians 4, verse 19. In Malachi, 
He writes and says, Will a man rob God, yet you are robbing me? But you say, How have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. And here's, here's, here's a challenge. He says, Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open up the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing till there is no more need. This is the only time that you ever see God say, test me, test me, test me at my word. You be generous to me. You, you, you be willing to, to seek me wholeheartedly with every part of you. And, and let me prove my faithfulness to you. Let me prove that I will do what I said I would do. And I would provide all of your needs according to the riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Let me tell you, a couple years after we got married, we had no money. I mean, we were, we were, we were poor. And, uh, you know, a couple kids at home. Uh, Samantha was home with, you know, little, little babies. And, and I'm trying to provide for our family. And we just never really had much. And we got to the point where we're kind of looking and saying, man, man, where's all of our money going? Because we, I mean, I think we were living on credit cards. I think credit cards were paying for anything that came up because that's just, I mean, that's our society we live in, right? We live in a credit card society. And I remember we sat down. We said, man, where's all this money going? We've got to get a grip on this. And one of the things that we both realized is we don't give to the church because we didn't have any money. We thought we were excused because we're, we're, we're so young and, and we have all these kids, and we have all these needs. And I remember we made a commitment at that point to give 10% of our income to church. You say, well, why, why 10%? The Old Testament speaks of a tithe of being 10%. Now, the New Testament doesn't specifically talk about a tithe. It talks about being generous and being sacrificial. So I would say that 10% is a good goal, but 10% is a horrible ceiling. Now, for us at that stage of life, 10% was a huge sacrifice. We thought, we're not making it on what we're making right now. We're not, we're not getting all the bills paid. Now we're going to give another 10% away. So this was a huge sacrifice for us. It was a commitment but we made that commitment. Now, we didn't start rolling in the money. I mean, we didn't, we, we didn't move up an easy street. I mean, I still drive a hoopty Oldsmobile. I told you about my car last week. The fan doesn't blow anymore. I mean, it's a hoopty car. But you know what? God has been so faithful to provide for us since we've made that commitment. You know where the car came from? <laughs> this is fun. My other car died. And somebody said, hey, you need a car? Let me give you this car. They gave me a hoopty Oldsmobile. I mean, who does that? And it's just the way that God provides for us time and time again. Now listen, we still have to be a good steward. I still have to go to work. I still have to work hard and do the things that I can do. But listen, there's this reciprocity where when we are generous and when we are faithful to God, man, he provides for us in ways that we can't explain. I mean, we, we were in such a... Oh, it's just, I look back to those days very fondly. Because God continued to reveal himself, continued to provide when we had no clue how it was going to happen. God was faithful to provide every need according to the riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Listen, just try God. I challenge you. 
Try God with your generosity. Take him at his word. Say, God, you said test me. God, you said to test you. So, God, I'm going to do that. And listen, I, I don't know if I have the permission to make this statement. I should probably ask the elders before I say things like this. But listen, hey, if you test God and you don't see God providing for your needs, we'll give you a refund. Can I say that? I don't know if I'm allowed to do that. I probably better not. I better not. Listen, I, I can give a refund. Listen, I, I'm just speaking from, from what I know, that when you are faithful to God, man, your needs are provided for. And this isn't, this isn't a prosperity thing. This isn't a thing that we're going to be rolling in the, in, in the high. And this isn't a thing on the church needs your money. This is about your heart. And this is about your trust and your faith. So we say, well, what are we going to walk away from this message with? Listen, again, it's not about the gift. I'm not concerned about your gift. I'm not concerned about, about, about guilting you, about your money. I'm concerned about your heart. I'm concerned about your spiritual commitment. I'm concerned about your commitment to the mission of God. I'm concerned about your spiritual growth and about your, about your spiritual investment. I'm concerned about your worship of God. And I just would say, what's your next step? What is your specific next step? Maybe today is the day that you need to start. You need to start being generous with your resources. Don't worry about percentages. Just worry about being generous. But making a commitment. Listen, you don't trust Restoration Church with your money? You know what? I just want you to... This isn't about us. This isn't about the gift. This is about you. And if you can't trust Restoration, then then find a church that you can trust. And be generous. Because this, this isn't about Restoration. This is about your heart. This is something that you just need to, to be right with God and be willing to, to, to live the way that God calls us to live. Maybe for you, maybe, maybe you need to look at your giving and say, man, am I giving abundantly? Am I giving sacrificially? And maybe for you, maybe this is an opportunity to really put your faith and trust in God. Because we can put our faith and trust in God for salvation. But it's a little bit harder to put our faith and trust in God with our provision. It's a little bit harder to say, okay, God, I know this is what you're calling me to do. But if I do this, then, you know, I may not have enough. And how will I invest for the future? And how will I do this and that? And I would say, you know, this is an opportunity for us to to trust God. To put our faith in him. To take him at his word. That he will provide our needs according to to his glory and his riches in Christ Jesus. Would you pray with me? God, so many times when we talk about money, it can just be difficult. But God, I'm just thankful that we can open up your word. This isn't, this isn't any of our opinions. This is your word speaking to us. And God, I know this touches on some touchy issues. But God, I pray that you would just open our heart. God, I pray that you would just Help us to see what's inside of us. That as we look at our bank statement, as we look at our checkbook, that God, it reveals what's in our heart. God, I pray that some of us in here would be encouraged to know that we are committed to the mission of God. 
We are giving sacrificially to the mission of God. That we are taking our resources and investing them, not in this world, but investing them in eternity. In the true future. That we are taking our resources and we are worshiping God in amazing ways. And God, I pray for those in here today that as they look inside their heart, maybe they don't see those things. God, I pray that you would just challenge them. Challenge them to trust you with every part of them. Challenge, challenge them to, to trust you with their salvation. To trust you with their kids. To trust you with their marriage. To trust you with their home. To trust you with their workplace. To trust you with their struggles. And God, that they would trust you with their resources. God, we want to see the mission of God continue uh, throughout this city of ours. Throughout the region and throughout the world. God, I pray that you'd help us that we would experience that heart change like the Philippians experienced. That we'd be so committed to the mission of God, seeing lives being changed, that we would beg for the opportunity to be a part of giving towards that. God, I thank you for Restoration Church. God, I thank you for the provision that you've provided for us. God, I thank you that this message isn't about giving to the church so we can pay our bills. This is about us saying, God, we want to be faithful to you. And we want to see your mission continue to go. We want to see more churches being planted. More lives being transformed. And God, I thank you that you've set the example for us of what it means to be generous. That you are a generous God. So generous that you gave your son for us. And God, I pray that we would understand that a generosity is not trying to appease you. It's not trying to earn something from you. It's reciprocating what you've done for us. God, we love you and praise you. Just ask for you to be with us now as we respond to your word. God, we ask this in your name. Amen.